Going to throw here to Parker at the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He is almost. He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got a touchdown! He got it in! He got it in! He got it in! Oh, doctor! All right, howdy guys. Welcome back to the Red Ass Podcast, uh, where you can also go 8 and 4 not have a defensive coordinator, and still somehow find a way to sign the number one class as it stands. I mean, it honestly is completely insane. When, <laughs> when you're able to step back and look objectively at it. Um, but, but I guess you don't really have to be objective because with all the Twitter noise and, um, you know, everybody's saying uh, doom and gloom for the A&M class without a D.C. And then not only does our recruiting class just in and of itself, you know, rank uh, – uh, yeah, rank number one, but the, the defensive hall is it's disgusting and it's not done yet. Well, and that's the crazy part of all of this is like as good as yesterday was. Um, yeah, we are nowhere near finished. We still have potentially uh, two or three five stars that could end up on this staff when it's all said and done. I mean, that's just insane. I mean, like you got I mean, just off the top of my head, what you've got Scylla. Shamar Turner, Bobby Taylor, uh, Brownlow Dendy, obviously. I, the whole nation was talking about him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every show I was watching about him being, you know, one of those immediate impact guys. And you know, Walter Nolan's got to be, he's the number one recruit in the nation. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're talking about not just recruiting talent and, and talented depth, but you're talking about recruiting just impact players, like immediate impact players, like, like almost not plug in place because you never want to put that pressure on a true freshman, but you're not far away from having plug in place. No, you're not. I mean, you've got so many key positions that, you know, we're going to need to be filled <laughs> and the guys have come out here and really just shown the whole nation that Texas A&M is one of those places where they want to be absolutely phenomenal job uh, in terms of recruiting. Um, now, of course, um, with the excitement of the recruiting and all the craziness yesterday, uh, I'm sure you know, we've heard this time and time again ad nauseum. Uh, one thing I always think is really funny is when opposing fan bases tell us this, like we don't know, which is, oh, well, you're still been only going eight and four, got to prove it on the field. Like, you don't think we don't know that? <laughs> like, this is, we live this. This is what we're used to. Yeah, well, and how do you think, you know, I mean, how do you think you win? You know, how do you think you get over the cusp of, of being, you know, that team that can't quite, you know, win those games that you have to win? And it's not, not and again, it's not all, you know, recruits, but if you, and that's the age old argument, right? In every sport, is it the X's and O's or the Jimmy and Joe's? And mm-hmm. it's both. It's both, man. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's both of those plus player development. Exactly. You know, it's not just the talent you bring in, it's how you develop them. And then on top of that, you know, it's, but you're not going to win championships with subpar talent. No, absolutely not. And as much as, you know, we can sit here and say, you know, look at previous classes, look at, you know, kind of the, the Sherman era and things like that. Right. You know, as far as recruiting where we understand, we, we totally understand that these players are not always going to be the absolute best classes every single year, but you know, for us, right. The first thing is first, you have to go out there and take care of business in the recruiting battles against the top level teams. Because, you know, if you look at the top three recruiting classes in the nation, uh, one, two, three, all SEC, and 
there's a huge gap from one, two, and three to four. Yeah. Like, insane. Well, you know, it's one of those things, and you always laugh about it with recruit. Well, <laughs> you you know, the laugh cry, right? Uh, you, know, you, you sign up the fifth best class in the country, and you sign the third best in your division in the SEC. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so to, to finally you find a way to be on top of that, um, you know, it, it, that's when you know you're not just recruiting well and you're recruiting well enough to, to start to contend. You're, you're recruiting the kind of talent that wins, that doesn't contend, that wins. Right. And this was exactly, this is the next step that had to happen. And, you know, let's just take a quick look because I've, I've found this really fascinating. Uh, going back and looking at our numbers here. Um, since this whole thing has kicked off, um, let's go back to 2010, yeah, which I think is a healthy number. And it really kind of represents, you know, when I started getting into Aggie football, right? It's about a decade. So, yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. So the recruiting classes for Sherman, the last three years of Sherman years, you had recruiting classes uh, ranked 16th, 34, and 16th. Okay. You know, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're up there. But I mean, you had one year where you finished 35th, I mean, 34th. In recruiting in the nation. And then you had 13 and 14, which both benefited from uh, Kevin Sumlin and Johnny recruiting. So you had the number nine class, the number five class those years. And mm. then after that, it kind of fell off. You had you know, 11, 18, 13, 17, all under Kevin Sumlin. Not really great recruiting years. Since Jimbo's been here, you know, as far as his recruiting classes, 19, 20, 21, 22, number four, number six, number eight, and number one. Well, what's well? First of all, like you go back and let's talk about that thirty-fourth ranked class. That can't happen at a Texas A&M university. No, it can't. I mean, it just can't. And so, and classes like that set you back significantly, um, and and not just for a year. You know, those are the people that that are supposed to be parts of the, you know, parts of your program that develop in depth, and, and you you basically miss on a year, and then you look at some of the years that that we had good recruiting under, um, under Sumlin, but I think we all know that, um, yeah, you know, those were fluff classes. You know, yeah. when you're recruiting, you're recruiting stars, but you're not recruiting need. Mm -hmm. So, you look at the classes that we've put together over the last couple or last few years, and these are not just highly rated classes but these are our highly rated classes addressing areas of need and yeah. that's what that's what you have to put together because if you're recruiting you know if you're recruiting ranking at the end of signing day or early signing day is really high but all you've done is put in a bunch of flash in your program and not address positions of need then it really doesn't matter because all you're doing is setting yourself up for disappointment it's very true. And so, I mean, that's one thing that, you know, Jimbo has done well. Um, obviously we do as a fan base understand that with, you know, the product needs to be on the field too, but this is a huge step in the right direction, especially after what was, you know, for most of us in the fan base, a rather disappointing season. I mean, the fact that we were able to recruit this well and, you know, Jimbo reinforced exactly what he said in all the press conferences, he wasn't going anywhere. He gets offered $13 million to go to LSU. He doesn't leave. He sticks around and puts together what it could end up being. We're not done yet. We could end up having the number one class in the history of college football from a score standpoint. That's crazy. Yeah, since they started keeping track. It's completely insane because 
just having the number one class of the nation would have been amazing. Having the best class that A&M signed would have been amazing. But to have the number one class in the history of recruiting rankings is, I don't know that, I, and you can say that people hoped you know that would happen and, and maybe a, a few liars out there would be like, yeah, I knew this was going to happen. Sure. But I mean, you're talking about putting together a, a, just a class of classes. Yeah, you know, this, this is, this is, it's not even rarefied air. It's literally never been done before. And so, and you immediately think of people like Bobby Taylor. Oh like, yeah. That, that dude needs to be working on the recruiting staff while he's a student. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Between Bobby Taylor and I mean, just so many of those players, they know how to play the game. They absolutely love to play the game. They went out there, did the recruiting, got the kids going for them and, you know, brought up the hype and let's go ahead and, you know, tip the cap to the graphics team with that, <laughs> with what they were doing as far as the media or with the juice, the juice box. That was, I mean, that was gold. That was absolutely yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Well, they, they, they don't, uh, they don't disappoint. That's for sure. No, not at all. So, you know, you hats off to our creative team hats off to just everybody on that. Well, on the staff. Well, and you know what? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. To the, to the recruiting. I mean, it's just a, uh, and you know, it, you know, these guys are waking up this morning, or they woke up this morning already thinking about the next class. You know, they're still thinking about the commits they have left. But you know, this is the recruiting never ends. No. Yeah, there, there's dead periods where you can't do certain things, and that's like the one. Uh, this this dead period is probably the one time the coaches really truly get to take a vacation. But then you have bowl games, so you know it's you want to talk about a grind. You know, being a, a major Division One program football coach uh, assistant, or it, it just it never ends. No, but, but I, I also want to tip my cap to these kids because yeah. they all came together and, you know, in today's day and age, obviously their ability to communicate amongst one, one another is, uh, you know, it, it just doesn't get any easier, um, you know, b- between them, you know, doing Instagram lives together and, and Snapchat and, and TikTok and, and Twitter and, and just being able to talk as much as they do. All these kids came together and they decided we're going to be the class that tips these scales. We're, we're going to be the class at A&M that will be remembered. Because not not just what we end up putting up in the recruiting rankings, but we intend to go to A and M and win national championships, plural. Yeah, and and it's really interesting because if you think about you know, when, we, when you talk about recruiting and you talk about just like some of these epic classes that have happened over the years, and you can't not talk about like Miami, the U, right? If we go back to the seventies and like especially in the eighties. You know, you had all these kids in South Florida that were just some of the best athletes in the country, if not the best athletes in the country. They all went to camps together. They all went and knew each other from that experience and told themselves, hey, let's just all stay in Miami and make this an absolute dominating program. You can see that exact same type of parallel but with a much more expanded reach because of social media, because of Instagram, because of Twitter, especially Twitter. You know, you've got all of these kids that can connect and get to know each other in addition to going to these camps, in addition to, you know, playing each other, you know, in high school football games. This, the level of communication is just insane to me. And we're going to continue to see a lot of growth in, well, in terms of the recruiting. And you touched on it too. That, you know, that's one thing that maybe we don't put as much um, 
stock into uh, when we're kind of looking at the big picture. And when these kids go to camps together, you know, they, they do form some bonds. You know, they're spending three, two, three, four days competing against each other, but hanging out together, living with each other, getting to know each other. So, you know, when kids from the DFW area go to a camp and there's a kid from Houston, there's a couple of kids from from LSU or from Louisiana, and they all get to, to play together and compete against each other. You know, these camps are the elite athletes, so they're all competitors. Mm-hmm. And, and and to be able to, and for them to be able to get to know each other, you know, more than just, you know, I follow each other on social media. So the, the camps have really played a huge role in it too. Massive role. And like I said, I, I could not be more excited on that front. We, like I said, we, we did touch on it before and we'll, I'm sure we'll come up more than once. Yeah. We do need to see the product on the field, but this is where it starts. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you gotta have good coaching. You gotta be able to develop, but you can only develop talent, you know, so far. Exactly. Yeah, depending on what your talent level is, they're, they're just there are ceilings, and there and there are kids that that absolutely can, can smash through their ceilings, but that's a rarity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, m- most of these highly rated kids have what what they have is just kind of unrecognized talent. Like they don't understand how good they can be, but everybody understands how good. Like everybody knows that the proper development is going to make them a level of elite that they, they can't quite grasp yet. Mm-hmm. You know, they're used to being the stud on the field every time they step on. So it's, uh, man, it's exciting. It, it, it was an exciting day uh, to, to follow recruiting. Um, and it, especially for those of us who aren't like complete recruiting junkies, All I right. follow a lot of recruiting, but there are some people out there that I, I feel like it's their second job, the way they follow recruiting. Um, oh, for sure. But, but to, to be able to see it all kind of culminate in such a great day and, um, and, and to be the talk, you know, to, to be the talk of college football. Well, and I thought what was really interesting, you know, go back to what the players were talking about. You had a lot of, you know, they were kept saying all day, like, y'all get ready, Aggies. This is about to be insane. And, you know, I think most of us, most of us are cautiously optimistic, right? Like we, it's like, you know, we've heard that before and we know how this can go, but I mean, they did it. They went out there and had a, they had themselves a hell of a day. So um, obviously very excited about uh, the future of this program uh, continually, um, even without any confirmation on what a DC situation looks like, um, or if we end up getting an OC or any of that other fun stuff. I mean, things have moved in the right direction. The pieces are there. Let's go out there and execute. Isn't this one of those times where if you were still a Jimbo Fisher doubter, you know, to be able to land this class without a defensive coordinator, don't you have to at some point just, you know, Jesus, take the wheel, man. You you have to start believing that Jimbo's going to do what we're paying him to do. Well, yeah, I mean, he's definitely shown the commitment to this program. I mean, well, I, well, no, I'm just saying there are people out there that are still like, man, we need this and we need that. And you ever think that despite what we think needs to happen in the program, maybe he knows what's best for the program. And, and obviously not having a DC is not what's best, but you know, in this little small window of recruiting without a defensive coordinator and all these important defensive recruits lined up and this and that, like, and we still pulled off what we pulled off. So yeah, again, what, you know, what, what's one of his favorite phrases? Trust the process. Trust the process. Exactly. So if we don't have a defensive coordinator right now, it's because Jimbo's not ready to have a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And whatever decision he finally makes, I will be a thousand percent behind it. 
Yep, I agree. I mean, you got to think he's got the right guy in mind. So, and he'll, in all likelihood, he'll be able to get him. So, yeah, you want to talk about a, a blank check? He'll, mm-hmm. uh, he'll, he'll, he'll get to. He'll get to pay to do whatever I whatever he wants to pay him. I, I mean, that's my take on it. I agree. Um, so yeah, I mean, other than obviously the recruiting, which has been absolutely insane, um, yeah. it, it, it was it's just, all slappable. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were all sitting here just slack jawed, um, but I do think um, we, there's a few things that we can certainly touch on, um, kind of leading into. What is the back half of this, uh, the back portion of the season now? Um, obviously, with the conclusion of the bowl games and all the craziness, uh, we do have a lot of um, transfers and things that have happened, uh, portal visits, as it were. And of course, um, we did have a handful of people that have declared for the draft as well as are hitting the portal. So I kind of wanted to touch on them real quick. Yeah, I got to be honest. I don't think the only surprise for me was Calzada. I think the guys declaring for the draft uh, and, and opting out of the bowl, I, I don't think any of those came as a big surprise. No. Um, I was surprised by Calzada, but then once the actual information came out, I mean, mm-hmm. he had shoulder surgery. He was never going to play in the bowl game anyways. Right. Um, so he did what's right for him. Get in the portal early. You know, get if, if you're going to, if you're going to get the portal, get in it early and start, you know, this is a business now, but let's, let's not, Let's, let's let's stop acting like this is amateur, you know, athletics. No. So what's best for him was to get in the portal, and, you know, let let teams know that he's in there, uh, you know, and then go from there so he can start going through really his best prospects for his future development. And I, man, I, I wish him the best. You want to talk about, um, you know, he'll always go down for beating Bama until that starts becoming a regular occurrence. And yeah. even then, you know, that's one of those feels like a turning point kind of wins. Well, yeah, and I think, Zach, I mean, at no point, have we ever or should we ever doubt his heart, his grit, his determination? Kid fought for every single opportunity that he had. And, you know, I wish him more than the best. I mean, I really think he will do well. Um, I think there was a lot of, hey, we see the writing on the wall. We know what's kind of coming in from behind. Um, not necessarily saying he didn't want to compete, but I think he knew with injuries and whatnot that it was probably going to be better for him. You know, he had to make a personal choice and I don't blame him one little bit for that. Um, and, you know, he reiterated time and time again, you know, thanking the fans and, you know, even after what a lot of people were saying about him, I mean, that's, that's big on him. And I really appreciate seeing that from him. So well, obviously we wish him the best because that well, kid we, is fought. Yeah. We've touched on it throughout the year, just how much he's grown up, you know, as a player, as a, as a man, you know, we, we've kind of seen, seen him in this window and you know that's the life of a starting quarterback is that you're front and center on the tv screen right mm-hmm. um so you get all the praise and you get all the blame um but uh, where, wherever he goes they're, they're gonna get uh, they're gonna get a heck of a quarterback um and and you know he may not have the, the greatest passing you know, completion percentage on the planet or you know you can pick apart stats all you want to but what, what you do know is you're gonna get a kid that's gonna come in there and fight um you know, and, and, and honestly looks like, you know, really willing to give it all for the program because he had surgery I and mean, his shoulder was so jacked up. He had to have surgery. So. Yeah, no, he's, he's going to do well. Um, and of course, uh, Leal Spiller, you know, all, all of our other guys, I mean, you know, which uh, Leon. yeah, Leon O'Neill, my God, you know, you want to talk about a guy that laid it all out for his program. Yeah. He's, he's the kind of guy that you can see that will return, uh, you know, return a lot of Saturdays, you know, come back for games. 
I mean, come back uh, for games, eventually come back for coaching if that's something he wants to do. I mean, that dude loves this you want, school. Well, you want to talk about a kid that went from basically, you know, in the transfer portal to probably being one of the most red-ass Aggies I've ever seen out of athletes. Oh, yeah. No, he he did absolutely wonderful things for, for this program. And, I mean, just kind of re – and not to mention – Dude was a class A troll, especially for visiting fan for uh, opposing fan bases. So wonderful. Yeah, we we love yeah. him. Yeah, I love his Twitter game. <laughs> oh, his Twitter game is great. So yeah, we, we're gonna miss him. Um, so, but so talk about often out of the bowl. Let's go ahead and move into the bowl. Let's move the, into the bowl. The super exciting 10 a.m. kickoff on ESPN for the Gator Bowl, which is what is it the is it the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl? Is that what yeah. it is? It's yeah, okay. it's the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. That sounds. Well, and, what's, and what's funny is, well, it, the game's at ten a.m. because the playoff games are on that day. Like the yeah, Gator yeah. Bowl is a little bit more respectable than a ten a.m. kickoff, but yet here we are. That's okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll live with it. Um, but um, so, and, and and if the playoffs expand and they decide to expand them. Um, you know, it, to add, you know, add a couple of bowls to, to some of the rounds, you know, the mm-hmm. Gator Bowl is one of those that'll be in the conversation. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, especially if you do like an expanded and it's still um, like bowls at that level. Personally, of course, I think with the 12th team playoff, I think that first round needs to be on campus. Um, oh, no, absolutely. You know, that, that's what, I mean, personally, that's what I want. But well, I, mean, I want more than 12 teams in the playoffs, though. Well, and that's fair. I, I think I think twelve is a good is a good healthy number for that. But if they do an expanded playoff from there, I'm not going to cry about it. I, I want I want a 16 team playoff, first round on campus, next round in those kind of next tier bowls, you know, like the Gator Bowl. Uh-huh. And then and then you get back into the model we already have, where your sugar, you know, that you rotate between the sugar, orange, rose, fiesta, sure. and so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a 16 team playoff kind of guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, here's the deal: who doesn't want more football? Especially on campus, like could on, you could you imagine? Could you imagine, like, for example, let's just you know, pull one out of the hat. Let's say Michigan is out here hosting, like, you know, an Ole Miss up in Ann Arbor in the snow. I mean, late in the year, I would love to see that happen. Well, and and my favorite part, like, I'm not a huge fan of football being in ridiculous elements. Sure. Um, that's just. I, I I get it, but uh, like that Buffalo Bills Patriots game where the wind gusts were like sixty miles an hour. Oh yeah, like that's kind of that, that's kind of not football. It's kind of miserable. Uh, yeah, but um, yeah. Notice I am not a Buffalo Bills season ticket holder. But um, oh come on, Bills Mafia, are you sure? Yeah, uh, they, they're great, but no thanks. Um, but uh, but if you're a Big Ten team and you play up there in that weather, if you are in the right to host a game and it snows sorry you know like an old myth like sorry like <laughs> you're just gonna go play in the snow exactly oh man uh, but yeah i mean i think an expanded playoff is definitely something to look into um, obviously we've talked about it ad nauseum it's something that we desperately want but um as far as this particular bowl game you know yes. you've got you got wake forest um who has proven to be a very top level offensive team and you have texas a&m who at this point is running a bare bones operation at best, I think it's the best way to describe it. Uh, well, yeah, I, we're giving every we're giving some people some opportunities. 
there you go. I mean, exactly. Like expanded opportunities right now. Like Jalen Watermeyer hasn't opted out of the bowl yet. I don't think. Uh, no, no, I, not, to, well, not to my knowledge. Uh, not no, to my no, knowledge. Yeah. The only ones I know of are Leal. Um, Spiller. Uh, Spiller, Leon. I think that's it. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of good opportunities for some of those guys that really didn't get a lot of time in the regular season to really get garbage time play. So, I mean, you're going to see um, a lot of those players, wide receivers, skill position players that are going to get play. And, you know, we'll really get to see a chain kind of take the, take the lead and see what happens. Especially if we put him in the wildcat, <laughs> especially if we put him in the wildcat. Now I will say, Blake Boast, you got nothing to lose. Go out there and sacrifice your body, son. Go out there and kick some ass. Uh, yeah, that's so. Um, <laughs> I, I checked it out. His career stats in college: he is two for seven for eighteen yards and a pick. So that's a that's a Q, that's a it's a QBR rating of zero. Um, but uh, so so hey, nowhere to go but uh, but up, right? That's exactly. Right. So, so just looking into the game a little bit, uh, Wake Forest's quarterback uh, earlier in the year, there was even kind of some some quiet murmurs about him, uh, well, as opposed to a loud murmur. I don't really know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about here. Um, <laughs> we're not used to recording in the morning. Um, it's good. But Sam Hartman, uh, there, there were even little talks about maybe being a, a dark horse for the Heisman. Uh, the kid's talented. Um, but uh, the, the big matchup here, and remember, so Michael Clemens is still playing. He hasn't opted out. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Clemens has has uh, yeah, any all he can do is help his draft stock in this game, I agree. because because uh, what we saw in the ACC title game, which uh, and again, so this this is a huge season for Wake Forest. They made the ACC title game, right? Yeah. Um, so what you see, what we saw that was a an offensive line issue, and um, you know, Pitt got to Hartman, and and that's you know largely what. I mean, you got to you got to stymie their uh, their offense. You got to get to you got to get to Hartman because if you just let him sit back there, he's going to pick you apart. But I think we also know that we have an incredible uh, incredible rotation of depth at defensive tackle. Yeah, defensive ends. So our entire line has depth, and we've seen them all play, just not as much as we're going to ask them to play. No, I agree. But, but this is a great stepping stone for them going into next year. And so, if our defensive line can continue to do what what they've done. I, I really like our, our our chances in this game. Um, it if if you can get to Hartman, you win this game. I, I'll just that's the key to it. I'm mean, I'm a huge believer in that. Um, it'll just be interesting to see what we do offensively. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's going to be a really interesting offensive game. Uh, I think Moose Muhammad's probably going to get a lot of play, assuming that he's healthy. And uh, I, sure I, hope so. I sure hope so too. He he was he's been playing very well. Uh, I think he's going to be. Um, one of those franchise guys for us over the next couple seasons. Um, I'm really interested to see if Watermeyer ends up opting out, if Baylor Cup finally gets some time on the field. Um, I, I think there's just going to be a lot of rotation um, within the wide receivers. Obviously, I think running back situation, it's going to be fine. I mean, oh, we, can you did Kenyon Green opt out? I think he did. I think he did. Yeah, that's the other one I was thinking about. But, but again, um, you know, like you were saying, the wide receiver rotation, uh, you know, they, I, I just don't know. I, you're talking about seven passing attempts in, in garbage time for Blake Bowe. So I know nothing about this kid. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, at this point, my hands in the air, I'm like, Hey, go out there, play a game, have some fun. 
And you know what? If you find a way to end up beating a team that was competing for the ACC title this year, uh, after all of the bull crap that we had to deal with this year, and without a DC, without a DC, go out there and just Johnson. do it. Yeah, and, mean, and a and a walk on quarterback. Yeah, all you can do, all you can do, is build some momentum for next year. And even you if you it. lose, no big deal. What you got? A chain. You got LJ. Who's who's the other running back? Um, Crownover. That's he still. Right. Yeah, so Blake Bose can run the option. We can we can just go wing T triple option, just go yeah. up Jeff Bunkett at Army, um, and, and you know, and just figure it out. It, it, that's an offense I feel like is pretty easy to install. Um, uh, and of course, um, you know, my condolences on Army Navy. Uh, that'll be the last we talk about that. I know, I know. Um, but no, I know. So I'm 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 excited to see. And remember, it's also a bowl game. Have some fun. There's oh, gonna yeah. be. Probably going to be some trick plays. Not as many as we'd like because Jimbo's not huge into the trick plays. But there will be some trick plays. There will be some fun. I think there will absolutely be a chain, you know, in the uh, in the Wildcat, maybe a couple snaps. Um, so I, I, I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to the game other than it being at 10 a.m. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fine. I mean, get, kids get to go down to Florida, hang out, do whatever for you know, a few days. And lest we forget, this is a massive revenge game, right? The whole program should be focused on this. Well, they should be. And like I said, when we lost to Wake last time, it was kind of BS, you know? We need to go out there and win that game. The 2017 Belk Bowl. Ugh. Do not should... remind me. That's uh, that's. I think that's the proper reaction, actually, yeah. yeah. Ugh. Anyway, so... <laughs> God, so but, you know, it's a bowl game. It's a And M. Um, you know, uh, just I'll I'll throw a couple stats out there. Um, uh, just kind of if if you're looking to, because I I believe we're favored. We were uh, but, favored. But, I don't know if that's maintained with, with Calzada and everything. Everything changed, but Wake Forest puts up forty a game, but we only allow fifteen uh, or sixteen. You know, A and M we put up about thirty a game, and they allow thirty. So yeah. it's it's more realistic that we get to our point total than they do. Mm-hmm. Um, their offense is, I mean, they, they put up, you know, close to 470 a game. Um, mm-hmm. but they also allow over 400 yards on defense. So defensively, they're not exactly a juggernaut. No, not at all. Um, A&M is still favored by five points though. Isn't that something? Okay. Well, and, and you know what that goes to tell you how important having talent on your roster is. Oh, no, no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So, and that this all ties back into recruiting. You know, they're just if if Texas A if the roster at Texas A and M even with a couple of opt outs and this and that isn't a superior talented roster to a Wake Forest, then we are doing something drastically wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't. And, and, and that's just the truth of it, man. Mm-hmm. This is how the pecking order of college football works. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree. All right, so uh, kind of want to jump in on some bowls here. Uh, any any matchups that you're seeing that are just screaming your name? Um, I uh, honestly, I mean, I I, I kind of like all the matchups in the uh, uh, in like the New Year's Six games. Yeah. Um, I, I well, if you're talking about bowl games outside of the big ones. I don't, dude. I don't even pay attention to them. I couldn't tell you who's playing in them until I turn the game on. Well, here, well, do me a favor and just just humor me. Pull up your ESPN app, pull up the bowls, and let's take a look. Oh, I've got it. I, I've got it up. Uh, let's take a look at some of these. So I would say, yeah, New Year's Six bowls. I mean, if we want to start there, it's probably a healthy 
starting point. Uh, you know, Baylor yeah, Ole Miss with the Sugar Bowl. Matter. Yeah, yeah, Baylor Ole Miss Sugar Bowl. See, I'm kind of excited about that game. Yeah. Uh, currently, the line is even. So, see, it should be it should be an entertaining game, if nothing else. Um, as even as that line is, and as competitive as I think Baylor makes it for a little while, I, I feel I think I'll miss roll. Yeah, I think I'll miss rolls. Yeah. Believe yeah, and it's, um, yeah. Hey, dude, Lane Kiffin's just, again. He's a psycho. Yeah. I get it. Like Baylor plays in the Big Twelve, and so you know, in theory, the offenses were higher flying, but. First of all, that narrative has kind of gone by the wayside as of late with the SEC offenses upgrading to, to what they are. And yeah. then a Lane Kiffin offense is just another planet. Yeah. And, and you know, Matt Corral, and, you know, with, with that kind of coming to a close. Um, He's going to want to put a bow on his career. I agree. I completely agree. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think Ole Miss wins that game outright. Um, I hope I, Kentucky beats Iowa. Yeah, I mean that would be nice. You know, a little don't know why, like, I can't stand Kentucky basketball. I just get sick of them. You know, Kentucky basketball fans are like Alabama football fans. Oh sure, but it's like sad. I, I just feel I, I feel like I root for Kentucky football, and I, I don't really have an explanation as to why. Well, I mean, they're one of those programs that should not ever really be good for whatever reason. They just so when they, they are, you're like, yay! <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so when they, we played them in '18, like their best season they've had in a long, long time. Uh, you know, and we, and we them. yeah, we, we had to beat them in overtime, but it was yeah. a good game. Yeah, yeah, good game, good fun time. So yeah, I, I would like to see Kentucky win that one. Um, oh, I mean Utah, Ohio State. I think I mean, as good as Utah took care of Oregon, I still think Ohio State wins that game. They're on their horse. I don't know, man. I, I, what is Ohio State playing for at this point? You know, that's always the question, right? That's true. I mean, that is very true. I mean, Rose Bowl. Come on now. <laughs> well, you know, so think about the motivation from a Utah program. Yeah, that's true. Granddaddy of them all. It's their first one. Yeah. Uh, Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame and Oklahoma State. Um, Intriguing matchup. I like it. I, hope, I like Oklahoma State to win that one. I hope Oklahoma State wins by 70. That'd be nice. But, but I've, I've, I've made my feelings for Notre Dame pretty clear. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's kind of, kind of a fun bowl here. Uh, so Arkansas playing Penn State in the Outback Bowl. Yeah. I, that's a really good bowl for, for Arkansas. Um, it is. I, I think Penn State is – Penn State has got multiple personalities this year. Yeah, it's, yeah. A couple of weeks they look like they were the team to beat the Big Ten, and then a couple of weeks they look like they just started their football program a year ago. Mm-hmm. So, that could be a good game. Uh, Penn State's, you know, you talk about, you know, good matchups. The SEC and the Big Ten are always good matchups because the Big Ten, you know, has so much emphasis on, on line play and having those big boys up front. Oh, yeah. So, um, and I'm not saying I, I did do a scouting report on Penn State. I don't know if their line's big, but I would assume you know Penn State, Most Michigan, years they Wisconsin. Are. Those are there's some big hog mollies up front. Mm-hmm. So I think that could be a good game. But you're also talking about some speed out of Arkansas. You know their quarterback. Um, I, I think I like Arkansas to win that game. Uh, yeah, and, me too. And and, and probably convincingly, like ten points. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to Yeah. Uh, how about a uh, Pitts? Pitt and Michigan State Peach Bowl. Uh, so I love this matchup because I really like Pitt. I do too. Uh, 
Uh, I, I I love the quarterback. I think he's going to be one of those. I, I think he's slated to be the first. Is he the slated to be the first QB off the board? Yeah, in the first, draft? Or, first or second. Yeah, I mean he was uh, like he, he was in the Heisman voting. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's. I, I mean, he's just well, and if Corral had stayed healthy, I think he would have been there too. But, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, I, <clears throat> I, I like Pitt. I, th- I think he's going to go out, and it's another one of those. He's going to put a put a bow on his career before he goes to the NFL. Um, so I, I could see Pitt. Um, I could see Pitt winning by a lot. Oh, I agree. It be, should be a fun game. I think Michigan State's kind of in that same boat. What are they playing for? So. Um, I Purdue, I think Purdue beats Tennessee, but that's just because Purdue's one of those teams that'll get you. Oh, dude, uh, that you want to talk about a bowl game that'll be on, but I'll be doing anything other than watching it. Probably, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, well, oh, oh. What? <laughs> how about the Duke Mayo Bowl though? North Carolina, South Carolina, in Charlotte. One, well, see that one I'm down for just because it's basically a rivalry. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I can see Mac Brown pulling it off. I agree. I mean, even uh, with all the excitement, I think you're right. Good. I'll tell you what, South Carolina, the Shane Beamer, that recruiting class he put together, them and them and Mizzou, you want to talk about a shock on, on a uh, signing day, yeah. South Carolina and Missouri putting the classes together. They did. I, whatever, man. I mean, there's, there's no more allegations to throw around cause it's all legal. Exactly. So <laughs> let it yeah, ride. Let's just be honest. It, it, Hey, if you're buying a class, right on. Um, but I, Shane Beamer seems like one of those guys that you know everybody likes. You know, he's, he's a players' coach kind of guy. Oh yeah. Um, so uh, I like the yeah, is like that too up in Mizzou. I don't know. Yeah, I like how Oklahoma took Texas' spot this year uh, in the Alamo Bowl against Oregon. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah the the O Bowl, the um, O Bowl, and uh, old Bob Stoops coaching it. That's hilarious to me. I love it. I love it. That, that I tell you what, you want to talk about two teams that don't probably really care about what they're playing for. Oh yeah. But you know, big game, Bob. Well, we'll see if he can get that team ready to go. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Clemson, Iowa State. I was actually kind of excited about this one. Freaking cheese it bowl. Uh, I, I think Iowa. I think Iowa State's going to win. I. I think they do too. Clemson is so down. Like Clemson didn't make the ACC championship this year. Clemson's they're down right now as a program. It, it's been weird to watch them just not spiral, but it's one of those like everybody's going, "What the hell happened to Clemson?" <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, well, here's the deal: when you are at such a high point for such a long time, which they were, uh, it's you know anything that's less than that, you know, you know, you finished the season what nine and three. It's not a bad year, but when you've been a playoff contender and a ACC champion, you know, for however many years in a row, anything less than that will be a, very much a disappointment. Yeah, it, well, and to the you know to the just regular college football fan who you know doesn't follow Clemson, uh, you know, and doesn't care one way or the other whether they win or lose, mm-hmm. it's, it's just weird to kind of look up and realize that they're not in the hunt for anything. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I, I did have a couple more I wanted to look at that I thought were intriguing. Like one for me, Mississippi State, Texas Tech, Liberty Bowl with uh, Leach going up against his former team. Yeah, I think they should basically just battle for Mike Leach's contract. Whoever wins gets to have him. Yeah, I mean, that would be ideal for, for at least one of them. A um, couple other. Uh, so Missouri and Army, Armed Forces Bowl. I'm actually, I'm actually thinking about going up there uh, now that, 
you know, the forecast doesn't look like it's going to be 20 degrees and, and, and windy, you know, in, 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 in Fort Worth. So I think, I think I might go to that bowl. Um, there's no telling when it comes to a triple option team and a D1 team. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? Um, I'd love to see Army win. Yeah, there's when, – when you never play a triple option team um, – Army's favorite three and a half. It, yeah, it, it can wear you down. And I, I think we saw that. I mean, Army played Wisconsin tight. Um, you know, the year before they played Oklahoma down to – what was it, almost overtime or even mm-hmm. went to overtime. It's, it's, a, it's a different animal when you're going against a triple option team. So uh, – so I, yeah, I might actually swing up to that game. Um, there you go. I, I, I like Army to win it. You know, if, if you can take, I, I think Wisconsin. Uh, if I were just to kind of look at, them, I think Wisconsin's a better team than Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I don't think that's a stretch for anybody to say. No. Uh, so, you know, if Army can go on the road, you know, to Madison and, and put up the performance they did, um, then I certainly like their chances. Uh, you know, in a, in a bowl game against Missouri, because okay. you, know, you, you know, there's no opt-outs from Army. <laughs> there ain't no, no opt-outs this academy, and no. you know, these kids are coming off uh, uh, you know, brutal loss to Navy, and mm-hmm. and it's, it's not a we're not you know we have nothing to play for. Like they're thinking about revenge. Like mm-hmm. these kids want to like the seniors. They want to go out uh, on it, not just seniors, but everyone wants to end the season on a high note. And um, and you also have to realize that. They're going into what's called the gray period up at West Point where, like, you know, the buildings are already gray and then the snow gets dirty and it turns gray and everybody's wearing gray and everybody's facial expressions are gray. It's just depressing. <laughs> and so, you know, to, to, to really and, – and they're – you know, and football is about to end for, you know, three months before they get back to it. So, yeah. you know, these kids, these kids have a lot to play for. Um, so, I, I like Army to win. I like Army to cover. I, I think Army could, could win by, by 10, 14 points just because of the, the clock control game that they play. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, one one more game that I wanted to talk about. If you got something else, you're more than welcome to bring it up. But here's one for me. Uh, UCF, Florida, Gasparilla Bowl. What a broken <laughs> program Florida is. Um, I, need, they, I need this. Well, and UCF is one of those programs that clearly after they claim themselves national champions, you know, they're, they, they're always going to have something to prove until they're given a shot. Um, and Florida, boy, they, I, they, they are, they are a program that's, that's struggling right now. They are. Um, I, I could easily see UCF winning, but again, sometimes you just have to look back at the talent, you know, will will they be able to out talent UCF? Cause this isn't like the undefeated UCF that we had when they claimed, you know, that they should have been in the playoffs and everything. Right. So can Florida just go out there and, and, and if they get punched in the mouth because UCF is super hyped for the bowl game, mm-hmm. you know, can they, can they go out and respond and realize that they just need to muscle down UCF? Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, I mean, if we're talking strictly from a sta- talent thought process, I mean, there's no way that Florida should lose this game. They are favored. But, I mean, UCF. That's why they play the game. That's why they play the game. And if you go through the history, right, like Florida – and UCF have had this long-standing bit about playing each other, and Florida backing it out, opting out, kicking the dates down the road, whatever. Well, you're kind of stuck with them now. <laughs> you're playing them in a bowl game, so time time to own it and go out there and kick some butt if you can. Yeah, I, yeah. The, the, you want to talk about a bowl game where one team has no respect for the other? Oh yeah. <laughs> so, all right, let's get the playoffs right quick. Let's do it. Um. 
So let's go. We'll go Georgia, Michigan first. And I would like to start by saying, man, was I wrong about Georgia. Um, Maybe their defense looked good because they didn't play anybody. And don't get me wrong. Like Alabama offense is phenomenal, but. Let's say Alabama isn't just any other team, though. I mean, Alabama, we can go back and look at the season, say Alabama, yeah, they struggled with a handful of people that they probably shouldn't have. But Alabama, when it comes down to it, they find a way to win the games they're supposed to win. And Georgia, maybe. Yeah, except one. Except, well, here's the deal. Exactly. Except I, I, one, I, I, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But you look at Georgia, and you just have to ask yourself this question. Do they have the yips? When it comes to Alabama, Alabama. is yeah. do, do they line up across, see that single white stripe in the numbers, and just go? Man, we're gonna lose this one again we're, too. We're huh? losing this one. Yeah, I mean, at some point you have to think that yeah, with as dominant as they've been and how they have played against Alabama in a lot of these games, but they still lose. Is it just a mental block? I don't know, man. They lost by seventeen points, to Alabama. And it wasn't that close. No, it wasn't. If you go back and watch the game, it was not a close game. It was barely a game to talk about. So what's what's interesting going to this matchup, though, is uh, I watched uh, the Michigan-Ohio State game. It's one of my favorite games to watch every year, uh, despite mm-hmm. the fact that Michigan, until this year, hadn't been able to get over the hump in like a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, when Michigan's offense can roll, they're good. But their quarterback is um, – he's he's interesting um he can make those mistakes that can really put them you know put michigan in a bind but Mm -hmm. michigan's defense is is there they are absolutely no joke um so i I think this game comes down to michigan's offense against georgia's defense and we're going to see if georgia's defense can bounce back is it they just have a middle block with alabama or is it that they didn't play anybody this year and that's why they look so good so um, yeah if if michigan could get haskins going um what he have like five touchdowns in the was it uh the game before Ohio State? He had like five touchdowns in a game, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And so, um, hey, but you know, running on the Georgia defense, so we're gonna see. Uh, I, I think that's obviously the more entertaining of the two playoff games. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, me personally, I think it comes down to um, you know. Can Georgia shake off what happened with Alabama, or are they just going to kind of regress to the mean? I think personally, I I'm happy to be wrong, but I think personally, I think Michigan's going to win this game because people are just going to be like, "No, nah, Georgia's fine." I'm like, Georgia's not fine. They just got broken on national TV in front of the one team they can't beat. They got just full blown exposed. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Alabama, they, Alabama really did what they wanted to. Yeah. So that's part of the deal. You have to bounce back from that, and I'm not sure they can. So me personally, I think Michigan wins this game. That's just my Michigan, thought. Michigan's riding high. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I've, I'd love to see Michigan win it, and it's not because I don't want to see an Alabama Georgia rematch. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'd like to see Michigan in the title game. Yeah, yeah, they're one of those teams that's been kind of a long time coming for them to to play Alabama. Yep. Because do we really need to talk about Alabama and Cincinnati? We don't really have to. I think it's going to be entertaining for about the first quarter and a half, maybe. So this, well, I think it's going to be entertaining for four quarters because here's my take on it. Alabama has the opportunity to tell the group of five conferences to shut their mouth. Yeah. And it, and they, <laughs> Nick Saban's not going to let off the gas. 
And so, and I get if we expand the playoffs, obviously that starts including a group of five, and that's fine. And I get that Cincinnati beat Notre Dame. Whoopity too, all right? Anybody can beat Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't play anybody. Yeah. So the one team they played, they basically lost to. Mm-hmm. But so I, I, this game is going to get ugly, and it's going to get ugly fast. And I know the Cincinnati's talented. I get that. They got some award winners. Um, you know, that you don't go undefeated it, you know, when you're an average team. And I get it. You know, you have to go out and play the game, and they—they're thirteen and zero. I get it, man. They're undefeated, but there is there is a large margin between Cincinnati and Alabama when it comes to programs, talent, um, even coaching. So, yeah. uh, except for maybe Bill O'Brien, that might be a push because that guy's a doofus. Um, <laughs> Alabama's successful in spite of Bill O'Brien being there. That's how I look at this year. Well, um, and yeah, and I think you know you look at Cincinnati. Yeah, they're winners, but the one game they've lost in the middle of all this was Georgia. You know, in a bowl game, uh, which you know that happens. It's part of part of the deal. You got to go play those big bowl games. But I just don't see them being on the same level as Alabama. I don't think they're really going to be all that competitive. I think it's going to be fun for a little bit and Alabama's certainly going to make it fun but it's not going to be fun for Cincinnati I think uh, I think Cincinnati Georgia would have been a more entertaining matchup I agree um because I could see this I could see that score being uh, pretty similar to the to the SEC championship mm-hmm. uh, if, if not worse and, and C- Cincinnati I'm sure they'll put up points and um you know they, they're kind of that group of five nothing to lose so you might see a trick play here or there but <clears throat> I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a bloodbath, mm-hmm. uh, which so, I'm fine with. Yeah, so assuming both of our matchups go the way we think, um, Alabama national title, let's just kind of analyze I mean, how do you think they do against either Michigan or a resurgent Georgia? I think Alabama wins another title this year. Yeah. I, agree. I, I, that's, I don't think any of those three teams can beat them. I don't know that anybody can beat them right now the way they're playing. And Alabama's welcome. You know, we beat them. They win a national championship. We beat them. They're going to win a national championship. They're welcome. They're welcome. Every time it feels yeah. like. Um, but uh, no, I, just, I don't think anybody can stay on the field with Alabama right now. So barring any, you know, uh, you know injury setbacks or anything uh, in a semifinal game, um, I, I just think Alabama's too much. Uh, they've already proved that they're too much for Georgia. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I, I I think they're just too much for Michigan and, and not that Michigan isn't a talented, good team, but, um, but man, Alabama's playing at a level right now. That's kind of like video game. Good. Well, and I have a hard time. I really do have a hard time seeing Georgia turn around, win this Michigan game and then give Alabama a challenge. I think Alabama, the way that Nick Saban prepares his team, he knows exactly what he wants out of that team. And he doesn't have to really push too hard. And I, I just don't see Georgia being able to do it. That's, that's the deal. Now, I, I could see Georgia beating Michigan. Um, sure. Because, uh, again, if they can get on that Michigan offense, you know, you, you could see it. I, I, I could see Georgia beating Michigan in, in a tight game because um, Georgia's offense isn't high flying. So they have to keep the, uh, you know, the opposing score low to win games because they're not going to put up a ton of points. I agree. Um, but, yeah, you know, I could see Georgia winning it. But, again, I just neither of those teams can beat Alabama the way Alabama's playing. 
And what's going to happen is Alabama's going to go out, completely torch Cincinnati, and then we're going to get a press conference from Nick Saban, who's so pissed off about how poorly they played. <laughs> and that's you know, and, and that trickles down in that program. I mean, it, and it's, it's, it's the, the Saban way. Yeah, the week of practice heading into the national championship game is is going to be – it'll be the most intense practice week they've had. Well, and that and it happens every time, doesn't it? I mean, you go back to when they played like Nick Saban. Well, it's like, yeah, when they played Notre Dame last year, absolute trounce. Like it wasn't even a game, but he went in and was like, well, we should have done this, 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 and that. We should have given up that late touchdown. And they rolled. Yeah. Uh, over under on angry Nick Saban rants over the next two weeks. If you put it at two and a half, I might take the over. Might take the over. Because, <laughs> I mean, he's still got the other press conferences. He's, he's an angry elf. Yes, um, but he But he wins. Yeah, so it's, it's another Alabama national title. I don't take any pride in that. Uh, all this, I, I love all the back and forth. Where, yeah, what's funny is, and you know, I can't ever get. Look, they're ninety miles up the road. You got to talk about them. Um, you know, they're important. We battle over the same recruits. We're going to be in the same conference it, in twenty twenty five. Since OU's broke ass, can't pay their way out early of the Big Twelve. But if Alabama wins the national championship, some of the first tweets to hit Twitter at the final whistle will be Texas fans saying, look, now the Aggies can hang a banner for Alabama. Win. No, I don't take any pride in Alabama winning national title. Now I'll take pride in the fact that we beat the national title, like the, the national champion. But at no point do I, do, am I going to beat my chest about the SEC. I'll beat my chest about beating the national championship. You're a national champion. But I don't care if the SEC wins titles. I really don't. And I'm getting to the point where I'm sick of all the other teams. Like, it didn't take long. Like, there's only a couple of teams in the SEC that I don't dislike greatly. And, and it's and it's increasing every year. I will say this. As, as, a, as a longtime Aggie at this point and somebody who has followed along with all these programs and all that fun stuff, within where we are at with Texas A&M, and our fine friends over in Austin, this is a special message for you. Your team just went five and seven. You lost to a Kansas team that has been out recruited by FCS programs. Texas fans, you can come at us with this eight and four talk. You can come at us with all these other fun little things, these little pokes. Y'all need to shut your damn mouths because you are completely unaware of the world that exists around you, you will find a way to argue that somehow not making a bowl game puts you in a much better tier than the people around you. You are so, they're so unaware and like, it blows my mind. The points that they argue is why they're where they're at. So yeah. their class is being pretty highly, highly ranked. And, and my favorite is their class is better than ours because they had a worse season. Like that's the weirdest thump your chest ever. But, um, but they put in a couple of good pieces. Uh, sure. Yeah, you know, they got yeah they got banks. You got to tip tip your cap to them. They they got a couple players, but recruiting talent and talented depth isn't a one year thing. And Texas is one of those programs that over the you know the recent years, the Herman years were a big one, uh, where they might have had a highly ranked class, but when all you're taking is wide receivers and defensive backs. And you're not addressing the needs that your program truly has. You are not making any progress, any progress. In fact, if, if all you ever took were like, if you just absolutely crushed it nationally, 
on offensive and defensive line recruiting, your record would be eight and four every year. And right. you picked up three stars at receiver and, and, and maybe one decent guy over the top in the defensive backfield. You know, you can you can go eight and four every year with just line recruiting in the Big 12. But instead, all they do is recruit these the quote unquote playmakers on the edge and over top in the defense. And they don't have a front seven. They don't have a front five. No. So, look, congratulations on the class ranking. But again, have you addressed the needs that you have? And because they've continuously gone through this cycle of recruiting uh, recruiting rankings as opposed to recruiting needs, they're where they are as a program. They are five and seven. Your record is who you are. You lost to Kansas. That happened in Austin for the first time in the history of college football. Kansas won in Austin. So these are things like you have to, the situational awareness is what keeps them where they are or lack thereof would be a, a better way to put it. And Banks was a good get, man. He was. But one offensive lineman doesn't make an offensive line. No. And we we can go, you know, on and on and on about all the program, you know, all the issues within that program, but this you know, this particular podcast would be five hours long. So we so at this point, all I can really say when it comes to Texas is that get some situational awareness. Understand that you guys are not first fiddle in the state of Texas. You're not first fiddle in your damn conference as it stands. You're behind Baylor. You're behind Oklahoma. You're behind Oklahoma State. You know, hell, like you're not a tiered program. You are mid tier in a pro- in a conference that's a little better than a group of five. If if they had any humility and patience. Texas could build back to a, to a major program. And you, have a, and you have a few fans that understand that there's a handful of them. And I interact with them on Twitter. There's, there's a handful of them. They totally understand where they're at, but it's the, it the, is the, the fan, it's the fan base as a whole and the level of entitlement that somehow they're just, well, we are the university of Texas and we set the standard. I'm like, you have been completely irrelevant in the game of college football since about 2009. Yeah, nobody, so nobody cares about you at this point. It's, it's a, it's a lot of flash. Um, you know, I, I think I've made this analogy before reminded me of when I was in San Diego, there was a part of San Diego where you drive around these houses are huge. And you know, in Cal, you know, in San Diego, that means real estate values through the roof. Oh, yeah. Yeah, these 80 to $140,000 cars sitting out in, in the driveway and then you, I'd go into these these homes to talk to these kids, you know, because I was a recruiter uh, for the army, you know. Unfortunately, not for college football. Sure, <laughs> but you go in the house, and their house is almost bare bones because to them it's more important to appear wealthy than it is to be wealthy. Yeah, and and there were literally more multiple places, multiple homes that I went into where everything on the outside looked so rich and looked so amazing, and and you know. And as an army recruiter in San Diego, you're walking up to this house thinking, why am I even wasting my time? You know, and then you walk in and the house is, you know, what they, it's, it's, it's trashy. It's, uh, it's bereft of some of the things that you would expect to be in there from what you see on the outside. And that's, and that's a, a parallel to the, to what the Texas program has been over the last few years. When you look at the recruiting ranking and it's, you know, look how great the recruiting ranking is and look how much, you know, money we, we, we make on a, on a regular, how much money we bring in every year. Look but what's, at they are. Look at how nice the stadium is. That's all great and good. You've got all the aesthetic, but what is on the inside is not what? genuine. It's not real. There's nothing that exists there. 
They'd rather look good than be good. Oh, every day. I mean, do not get me wrong. You want to talk about the look and the feel of a blue blood program. Yeah, Texas fits that bill 100%. You've got the classic uniforms. You've got the huge football stadium. You've got the donors. You've got all the parts and the pieces, but you don't have the product because you can't do it right. You don't know what you're doing. Well, and, to, and there's there's too many people trying to call shots there, too. And, and that and that goes into that hubris thing and, and lack of humility. And if, if they would just get out of the way and let the football program be the football program, I, I hate to say it, but, I mean, Texas could absolutely get back to, to, to national relevance on a regular basis because they're about to go to the SEC. And if you could shut up, just recruit well, and, and, and just let the program run itself, because I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that Jimbo has pretty much – say and whatever he wants to do and what's going to happen in that program and we have a history of donors getting in the way of athletics we absolutely do there's a lot of, there's a lot of old ags that want to be really important and wanted wanted everybody to know that they're making decisions but it feels like with when we hired jimbo it was clear that hey we appreciate your money um you know we'll a- absolutely kiss your butt a little bit and have events and you know you'll have nice seats and and you'll get to meet the players and all this but when it comes to football stay the f away because yeah, I mean, having money doesn't make you good at football. No, it doesn't. So oh. exciting things there. Um, well, there's one thing I did want to touch on before we uh, kind of wrapped up what we were doing. So as you guys may have been paying attention on our social medias, uh, we do have we did put out our red ass apparel shirt. Yes. I want I want you to kind of touch on that. Let people know what we're doing it for. Once again, to reiterate. Yeah, yeah. I'll t- I'll tell the story because I love it. So, you know, a couple months ago, and it really kind of culminated with the old trip to, to the Grove, you know, with Ole Miss, you know, all of a sudden, for some reason, everybody was like, dude, A&M's a cult. Like, it was news. Uh, we so, know this. Yeah. And it was funny because then uh, this LSU guy um, that came to, you know, uh, was interviewing fans before the game, for the LSU game, and he was like, hey, are you guys a cult? And Aggies were like, well, Yeah yeah duh and, and then uh so string on, on twitter uh, tweeted we put the cult in agriculture and it, i thought it was hilarious um and and then i you know kind of got the idea because string's really involved with aggie achieve he's he does really cool stuff on twitter raising funds and mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, and, and if you don't know about the aggie achieve program you should absolutely google it's fantastic um it's awesome and so we've got we put them you know we put the colton agriculture shirts uh you know on, on the store there's three color options um says it nice and big on the back and then we're going to donate proceeds to aggie achieve so the store will be open i believe until january 3rd and the way the way cc creations does it they take all the orders they close the store then they print the shirts and ship them so it'll be like mid-january before you get the shirts but if we get a good enough um you know, good enough reaction. We'll, we'll just, we'll reopen the store and, and do it again. You know, we, we can, we can make this a continuous fundraiser. And if you've got ideas, funny ideas for shirts, you know, shoot us some messages. You mm-hmm. know, we'll, we'll put it out there. Right. You know, as long as it doesn't infringe on anything copyright, I'm down with it. And, and we put the cult in agriculture is a phrase that A&M wouldn't touch like their marketing office wouldn't touch with a 10 foot pole. Never. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we love to be able to to use use that to put out fun apparel, but also uh, you know raise some money for good. So uh, if you get a chance, just um, I've I've retweeted it. We've got it on the on the um, you know from the podcast Twitter. Rob's retweeted it. You can find it. Uh, the link to the store. Just go in there. Uh, they're um, they're pre shrunk. They're true to size. If you're in between sizes, 
the rep said to just pick the bigger size and they're the the soft shirts you know so mm-hmm. uh, so uh so yeah so go go get you a, a shirt to show everybody in the world that yeah i mean i aggies can laugh at themselves but after you know the last few recruiting classes we've been laughing at y'all's faces in a couple of years right so i mean exactly go check it out i mean i know we're gonna I will go ahead and post that link whenever we upload this uh, podcast here in just a little bit. So you'll be able to see it um, if you haven't already jumped in on it. Uh, gray, uh, kind of a natural beige color, and then white are the three colors. Uh, maroon printing on the back and the front with our logo. So be sure to go check it out. It's going to be great. It's um, and it, Plus, it goes towards a great cause. So all, all the props to Rob. He does all the artwork, all the I, digital stuff. I try. <laughs> All, all I do is go to CC Creations. That's pretty much my job. So, so we got all that. So it's all all coming to head. Y'all go check that out as soon as we get those uploaded. Um, we're gonna wrap it for the year. I don't think we're gonna do a, another podcast till next year, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be going to. Uh, I'm heading back to New Mexico this week, and uh, we're we're doing Christmas early, so we're gonna yeah, knock that out. And then the 24th, 25th, I've got nothing, so I'm just gonna <laughs> be hanging out. So, so when you say Christmas came early in the White Household, like you, it's literal this year. Christmas yeah, it, is literally coming early in the White Household. Yeah, no, we're we're, we're celebrating on the nineteenth. Um, we're just going to go ahead and do that because my little brother and his fiance, they're both nurses and they're working uh, over over the holiday. So, so we're doing Christmas early this year. Is it is it in the White Household or is it in the Slapper Household? No, it's the White House. Okay. It's the White House. Nice. It's the, it's the White House. Exactly. I mean, people call it that all the time because uh, I don't know. It's the White it's, House. It's technically, that's correct. It's the best kind of correct. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Um, uh, we actually missed it. I, you know, uh, I, I, I totally. Did we even record last week? It's already in the holiday. As soon as December first hits, my brain just turns to mush. Everything's hope, moving quick. Everybody who celebrated, hope you had a happy Hanukkah. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, heading into the new year, I hope everyone has a real safe new year. Just remember, don't do anything stupid. There are Ubers. There's there's cab rides. There's 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 zero reason on this planet anymore to ever drive drunk. Zero, none. So be safe. Have a blast. Ring in the new year. Um, I'm gonna have some. Some lovely champagne from. Uh, I actually went to the champagne place in France. Nice. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty excited. But uh, so you know, ringing the new year, and then we'll be back. Uh, we'll probably do a a wrap when we come back. We'll do a bowl season wrap, and then um, we will. Uh, we're gonna get us some. I want to talk to Maggie basketball when we get back. So we'll we'll be into uh, we'll be in the SEC schedule at that point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll definitely jump in on some basketball. Um, maybe some Premier League kind of mid season. Yeah, um, be the transfer window. Yeah, it's definitely transfer window. Assuming the Premier League's still going. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so, Ugh. all right. So everybody, be good. Um, like I said, if you haven't uh, all done so already, go follow Roy May fifteen on Twitter. Rob the Slapper on Twitter, of course. Uh, if you haven't followed our Red Ass Podcast uh, Twitter account, it's on there. It's there. Check it out. It's Spotify, we're on uh, Apple, right? Yeah, Spotify and Apple Music. So it's 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 out there. Y'all go stream, share it with somebody you like, or if you don't like it, share it with somebody you don't like. You know, and share out the share out the tweet about this uh, about the shirts. Yeah, um, you know, definitely let's, let's push raise, those. Yeah, let's raise some money for Aggie Achieve and um, you know get you a, a funny shirt in, in in the meantime. So everybody signing off for 2021. It's been another weird year. 
But yeah. uh, I will see y'all in 2022. Thanks. Gig them. Beat the hell out of Wake. Hey.